Good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is the program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. In short, the program's designed for someone, well, like me. There's a lot I don't understand. It doesn't have to be something soul-shaking. It might just be something that's been on my mind for a while. And I find that rather than getting into a deep chapter and verse theological discussion, sometimes a casual front porch style with the front porch talks with the pastor is the best way to understanding. That is what this program is all about. Today's guest is Andrew Preuss of St. Paul and Trinity Lutheran Churches in Iowa. I have my questions, and I'm sure you have yours. You can send your questions by email at any time to letstalk at kfuo.org or call in during the program if you're in the St. Louis area, including Metro East. That's area code 314-821-0850. Or anywhere in the lower 48, you can call in toll-free at 1-800-730-2727. Pastor Preuss, welcome to the porch. Hey, it's good to be back. Well, it is indeed. It is indeed. Uh, it's a kind of a, a nifty thing, you know, with uh, with COVID going on. Uh, this is one of the few times I actually had the opportunity to be in the studio. I kind of get into microphone mm-hmm. withdrawal when I'm away. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we are now in the Advent season, and uh, we're moving up, of course, to uh, Christmas and all the wonderful celebrations there. And it brings to mind a question that I've had for a long time and something I should know about since we're going to be doing some special programming on it. But that's the 12 days of Christmas. You notice the old song, and I understand it's being celebrated in certain other cultures. It used to be here in the U.S., but it's kind of gone out of style. What are the 12 days of Christmas? Well, to put it simply, the 12 days of Christmas are the days between December 25th Christmas Day, and uh, and January sixth, which is Epiphany, and uh, so there's 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 two different. They kind of get they they get to two different ways in which the church historically has celebrated Christmas. So Epiphany was was uh, what the East the 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 Eastern part of the church acknowledged as the Christmas celebration. And uh, that's, of course, we know Epiphany is the time when the, the, the Magi, the wise men, come from the East to, to uh, follow the star of, of Jesus. And they find him and they, and they worship him as the king with uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And, uh, and then, you know, and, the, and so that, that shows then the, 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 first appearing, uh, the first appearance of the Son of God to the Gentiles. Uh, that is the Son of God in the flesh, and that's what Epiphany means, you know, to to kind of shine upon or to to reveal, to make manifest. And so, so the so the Epiphany season is about that God making Himself manifest. So you have other themes, other days such as the baptism of Jesus. Uh, you got the Transfiguration, where He shows Himself to Peter, Peter, James, and John. And so, Christmas then, as we know it today, in on the date of uh, December 25th, started that that it started being celebrated, and I, you know, I, I read up on this not that long ago, but I don't remember it that well. But it was in the West, in the Western part of Christianity, that it started being observed on December 25th, and it was it was long believed that 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 Jesus was born on the day that he was crucified. 
but 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 the way that the way that they understand born is conceived, right? So his uh, the, the the time in which he actually became flesh in the womb of the virgin, and this would be the visitation, right? The visitation of the angel Gabriel, and that day was historically understood to be March 25th, and so so if you if you go nine months from March 25th, you get to what December 25th. And so, you know, there's the old, there's this kind of uh, old, uh, you know, claim that Christians just adopted the winter solstice, and, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because then why wouldn't we just have it on December 21st since that's the winter solstice? Uh, it, it it wasn't, it certainly it corresponds to the kind of, you know, the winter season and, and stuff like that, which is, which is just what calendars do, right? It's a, the, the fact that, that other pagan religions would do something similar and using the calendar and using the moon and the sun to, and the stars uh, to, uh, you know, to, to mark how they worship, I mean, that's just, that, that's, that's like us saying we're going to worship this Sunday, you know, and we keep track of when Sunday is. You know, that's, that's nothing unique to this or that culture. So, so, the, so the claim of, you know, the, the 12 days of Christmas or Christmas being, you know, adapted uh, after some kind of pagan holiday, it, it really just doesn't have any weight to it. There, there's, and there's plenty of stuff people can read on that. But, uh, but yeah, so to answer your question then, throughout history, just kind of long story short, you had basically two celebrations of Christmas. One on January 6th, which the Eastern Orthodox to this day observe as Christmas, which we observe as Epiphany. And the other, which became more prominent in the West, December 25th. And so then you have 12 days in between. And then you have other days that are very important days in the church, which is very interesting. So let me just recite these days for you, and, and uh, maybe you, you, can, you can find kind of a, uh, a similar theme in them. So the, the day after Christmas Day is St. Stephen's Day. That's December 26th. The day after that is St. John the Evangelist Day. And then, uh, and then that, I believe it's the day after that would be, yeah, the day after that would be Holy Innocent, where we observe the, uh, the we commemorate the, you know, the, the death of all those infants in, in, in Bethlehem, uh, whom uh, Herod had uh, put to death. And so, so those days, I mean, John, especially that 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 St. Stephen's Day and the Holy Innocence Day, you know, what really kind of sticks out with with both of those? Well, what happened to Stephen? Stephen was the first martyr, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so you have so you have Christmas, this joyful holiday that almost immediately goes into some very some very uh, you know kind of grim themes. And, uh, and and really goes to the cross that the Christians must bear, which all point to the cross of Jesus. Well, then, near the end, uh, this would be the eighth day of Christmas, is January 1st, which is the, the circumcision of our Lord. And that's the first time that our Lord sheds his blood uh, when he's circumcised. And that marks, that marks that he has put himself under the law. Right? He is the lawgiver, and yet he has put himself under the law, marked by a circumcision, showing that he would shed his blood and, and uh, make satisfaction to the law on our behalf. 
And so you can see, you know, you can look at the 12 days of Christmas and see and talk about the partridge and the pear tree and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not, you know, I, I'm not really up to speed on all the history behind that song. But within the 12 days of Christmas, you can see this, you can see this, uh, this emphasis upon, you know, with, uh, upon the martyrdoms of the saints, upon the, uh, you know the incarnation uh, and 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 manifestation of Christ, which is made known so beautifully by the Apostle John in his Gospels, in his Gospel, and his Epistles, and then uh, and then the circumcision of Christ. And so we're kind of following those themes throughout the season of Christmas until we finally get to Epiphany, uh, January sixth. Well, I've. Um got a, a definition here of what the uh, the different verses are supposed to mean, and uh, it may or may not be true. I'll throw that out just to begin with, but it, it makes a good yard. Uh, you know, the first, uh, the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. Now, that is supposed to, rec- uh, to be a reference actually to the birth of Christ himself. Okay. That was when he, he was born on, on Christmas Day. Uh, now, the two turtle doves, that's supposed to represent the Old and the New Testaments. Okay. Uh, the French hens, three French hens, those are the theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity. Okay. And the four calling birds, well, that's the four Gospels of the four evangelists. Mm. Okay. Five golden rings, well, the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. And that gives the history of man's fall from grace. Uh, six, day, six geese are laying. Well, that represents the six days of creation. Seven swans are swimming. The seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. The original of seven sacraments as the Catholics had it. Of course, we don't recognize that many. Mm-hmm. Eight maids are milking. The eight beatitudes. Mm-hmm. Nine ladies dancing, the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. Ten lords are leaping, well, of course, the Ten Commandments. Eleven pipers piping, the eleven faithful apostles. And twelve drummers drumming, that's the twelve points of doctrine in the Apostles' Creed. Interesting. As I said, I don't know if this is true or not, but I, I've seen this one kicking around for a while. And uh, I, I think it's interesting to to look into that. Uh, you know, as I said, it may not be true, but indeed there's, there's something here that I can see where it links into Christianity very deeply over and above what you had explained. Uh, this is something more, I think, for the, uh, for the layman, someone like me, who would understand this a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, there. I've heard, I've I've heard that it comes from Roman Catholic tradition. That 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 song, and so the, you know, the, when you mentioned the seven sacraments, yeah. that you know that uh, that sounds familiar. Although you know, the seven gifts of the the sevenfold spirit. Um, uh, boy, you know, this is from Isaiah sixty-one. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Or is it sixty-three? Yeah, I always get this mixed up. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Uh, and the, the 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 spirit of uh, the spirit of wisdom, and then you know the last one is the spirit of uh, the fear of the Lord. So, uh, so yeah, no, that's that is uh, that is interesting. I mean, I I never really liked that song very much, honestly. I thought it was just kind of annoying. 
Um, it's kind of, you know, it kind of <laughs> reminds me of, uh, you know, recently I, I, I came across a very, a very uh, fun Irish tune uh, uh, called, um, oh, was it the, the, the bog, bog in the valley o you know, so there was a, uh, there was, there, there was a bog in the valley or something like that. Oh, oh the, the, the valley o I don't know. So, so some of your listeners might know what I'm talking about. Um, but, uh, but they kind of do that same thing where it's like, there's a, they, there's a hole in the bog and a tree in the hole and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, so that those are kind of fun songs to sing. But, uh, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about Christmas songs. I mean, we've got, uh, of course we've got our, our beautiful Lutheran service book with all the wonderful hymns in there. But there's a mm-hmm. lot of Christmas songs that are not directly from, that are not directly hymns. Uh, I remember uh, one, of, uh, <laughs> one of my wonderful memories when I was a teenager. As I mentioned before, my social life really was centered around the Walther League. And one, oh, okay. of, yeah, and one of the things we used to do was we'd go out caroling in various various houses you know and the people would would give us hot chocolate and things like that and i remember the wonderful songs we used to sing and god bless you merry gentlemen and things like that mm-hmm. and it, it was fun it was a joyous thing to do and that's something i think that we should approach coming out of the advent season uh as it's been explained to me the the advent season is really coming out of the darkness yeah and uh, there is such joy that can be expressed in different ways once we get out of that. And I think this is one of the things that the Christmas hymns do, uh, and the Christmas songs, as well as some of the Christmas hymns. Uh, but there's this wonderful celebration, this wonderful uplift. And as I said, that's one of my favorite memories. I still remember that, be going from house to house to house caroling. That was so much fun. Yeah, now we, we did that a few uh, a few, well, oh man, six years ago. We haven't done that since. But I was, you know, I was just talking to one of my parishioners about how it, we really should uh, do that more often. We should try to do that every year. It, it's a great thing to do for for the shut-ins, um, for those who are lonely, um, and uh, you know, and, and it's, a, it's a wonderful mark of culture. And I agree with you too to sing the songs, sing the, those songs that aren't in our hymnal, I think what that shows is that we have a Christian culture and, and yeah, you know, we, we, we speak English. And so a lot of our Christian culture in, in Christmas time has kind of been inherited from the, uh, from the English Christianity, which, you know, that's fine. And we, we as Lutherans have, uh, <clears throat> have, uh, some German in there too, which is, you know, makes sense. And, uh, and there's can't forget the Scandinavian as well. So you got to have your Yulakaka and Krudenkaka. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I, I do. I, I like those folk songs. I, I you know we don't necessarily just because we don't sing them in church doesn't mean that we shouldn't know these and and uh, and appreciate the fact that the, the, that 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 these songs are uh, are a mark of culture. You know that. We used to be, we used to be more of a singing culture, and I think the pop mm. music has kind of ruined that in ways. Where that people is just sad. Yeah, listen, I think you're right. You know. Well, so, you, well, you know, I, I learned I learned Silent Night in German before I ever learned it in English, mm-hmm. which was a yeah. trip since I don't really speak German. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> well, you know that that 
song Good King Wenceslas. Yeah. Right? Good King yeah. Wenceslas. Yeah. 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 He, uh, Good King Wenceslas looked look down. Upon the Feast out, of Stephen. Uh, on the Feast of Stephen, right? That's mm-hmm. the day after Christmas. Yeah. So there you have it. And then, you know, it's a very, it's a nice story. It's not super theologically in-depth. That's why I wouldn't sing it in church, you know. It doesn't say a lot about, doesn't really say much at all about the Incarnation. Um, but it's, what it is, is it's a story about a king who, who, uh, it's kind of a folk story about a king who, who sees a poor man and he, and he, uh, he has mercy on him and invites him into his, in, into his, into his castle and, and, and has a feast with him. And, uh, and this is a, a reflection of, of, of Christ and what Christ has done for us, that he looked out from his kingdom and he went into the cold and he brought us in, you know, and these, mm-hmm. there, there's a, there's a rich history, which, uh, I'm hoping and praying that some of those, those of us who know Latin better than, than others, and I'm not including myself there. I know Latin a bit, but not as well, I don't think, to be able to do this, um, at least not yet. But there, there's a rich heritage in, 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 the, uh, in the Lutheran Church after the, the Reformation, the late 16th, early 17th centuries, of, of epics and, and, and plays that were written that that show a Christian theme. Are we and so a lot about, of these are we talking about the passion plays here? Well not not just passion plays, but, but plays that actually have, you know, kind of folk characters in them, you know, the fictional characters, but there's a Christian theme behind it, you know, and and there's uh you know think of think of someone like Hans Christian Anderson, right? Okay. You know, who 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 wrote uh, who was a Christian, he's a Lutheran from Denmark, I believe. Um, and he, uh, and you know, he wrote Tom Thumb, Thumbelina. He wrote, uh, he wrote uh, uh, the, the 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 Snow Queen, right? Mm-hmm. That's what the the movie Frozen is based upon. And in Snow Queen, the heart, her heart is melted by the love of Jesus, right? You know, it's one of those songs that it, or one of those those stories that is, uh, it's again, it's a folk story. It's not something that you're gonna like do in church necessarily, you know, it's, it, but, and yet it's part of the daily lives of the people, right? So, so it seems like we have our church, our church services, but then we don't have much of a folk culture, a Christian folk culture um, outside of it, you know, and that, that's where I think that I, it's great to, to do things like caroling and, and just singing these songs that, but yeah, again, we're not going to sing them in church, but they're still, they still reflect our Christian culture, and and uh, and and that really comes out in Christmas, Christmas time as well. So, I think it's a great idea to go caroling and try to try to bring that back. You know, it really is a shame that you know people feel awkward about singing, and you know they, they don't want to sing in public. And you know, it's amazing. You look at the Irish, uh, kind of the rural Irish uh, uh, culture, and they still they they sing. They'll just bust out and start singing. You know, it's just it's just amazing, and that's something that should be a natural thing that we do as Christians, and that's why it is nice to have these uh, these kind of folk songs. You know, that again, they're not they're not chorales, but you know, they're not as theologically in depth, but they're they still show that we they they kind of show where where our culture is. Yeah. So, well, my family was kind of a singing family, uh, and. and we had both a piano and an organ, and uh, both my parents played. 
and uh, we we did sing a lot. I mean, there was one. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> this is another wonderful memory I have. Uh, you know the song um, uh, "Deck the Halls with Boughs of Holly." You know that song. Mm-hmm. Well. Uh, my family, among other things, are Pogo fans, the uh, the comic strip Pogo, and they okay. <laughs> had a version of that. And uh, I remember my brother and I, some years ago, we were at a at a at a uh, distant relative's house. Hello, Kip. Yeah. You there? Yeah, I'm here. You hear me? Yeah, yeah. You kind of cut out there for. Oh, sorry for a about bit. that. Yeah. Well, we were at a distant relative's house, and uh, my brother and I broke out in the Pogo version of it. <laughs> it was, it was deck us all with Boston Charlie, Walla Walla Wash, and Kalamazoo. Uh, yeah. No earth reason on the trolley. Swallow Dolly, California, Alligaro. You wouldn't believe the looks we got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, well, I remember when I was, you know, it's like a little, little kids are so mature. I remember uh, singing, I remember that this kid in my class was singing Deck the Halls with Dirty Diapers or something like that. <laughs> and then the, he got scolded by the, teacher um i went to a lutheran school uh when i was when i was a kid and when i was younger until i was 10 and so but uh yeah that no there there is uh the, but going back to the hymns though like you mentioned that you learned silent night in in german mm-hmm. you know singing hymns i one of the things i find myself doing after you know christmas morning is and throughout christmas is just singing the Lutheran chorale and uh, and the other hymns that aren't necessarily Lutheran, but they're good, solid hymns, like, like Hark the Herald Angels Sing, you know. Oh, yeah. It's just such a such a rich theological hymn. And you have one of my favorite hymns, Christmas hymns, that has really grown on me the last several years uh, is Luther's hymn that people aren't as familiar with. They're, more, they're probably most familiar with Luther's cradle hymn which you know from heaven above to earth i come which is a fantastic hymn um for for uh, uh and our children are singing that in the children's program uh and uh but but also there's his hymn we praise you jesus at your birth and i love that there's that there's that stanza that goes uh uh here i'll sing it for you the virgin mother's lullaby calms the infant lord most high upon her lap content is he who keeps the earth and sky and sea alleluia and it's just what i I love about that is that to to meditate upon the, the 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 two natures of christ that god is a little baby that he's sitting there content on his mother's lap being calmed by her lullaby all the while holding the earth and the sky and the sea and all things together. Mm. And it's just, it's really just amazing. I mean, it's just to think about the mystery of that and the comfort of knowing that this means as, as, as the hymn goes, you know, God and sinners are reconciled, you know, that God joins God himself. And to us. Reconciled. Yeah. Yeah. What and that's what the 12 days of Christmas really should be about is reflecting on these things and taking the opportunity to, you know, while you got some downtime to sing the hymns that you just were singing in church and bring them home with you. One of my favorite Christmas songs, and I've, I, I've caught some flack from this, is Mary, Did You Know? Uh, 
And yeah, I could I could see why you catch black. I, <laughs> people like people like to put that that one down, don't they? They do, and you know, in my reading of it, of course, as a layman, uh, my reading of it is, of course, Mary knew. This is what. The, the the person is looking to Mary. Mary, did you know this? Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! You did. You know that that's me. That what that's what that song means. And sure. It's such a beautiful song. Uh, uh, there's there's a group you may have heard of them called Pentontics. No, I haven't heard of them. Oh, they're they're kind of an interesting group. They're strictly a cappella, but they make their own instrumental sounds. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, as well as the vocal, and they do a just a magnificent version of that. And uh, you know, I, I I sometimes get a little bit upset with people who are a little bit too iconoclast. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean? It's a beautiful song. It celebrates the birth of our Lord. It celebrates it celebrates Mary. My gosh, did you know? Yes, of course you knew. You know, I I used to, um, uh, well, first I'll say I never heard of that song until I saw a bunch of people making fun of it on, on Facebook. And I was like, well, okay. I, and so I'm kind of ambivalent uh, <laughs> uh, toward it. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I guess uh, I used to, probably have stronger feelings on, you know, certain songs. I, I would get annoyed that, I guess, and I, I suppose I still get kind of annoyed by this, but, but I would get annoyed that, that you, you'd have a lot of songs that were very, you know, very emotionally driven in many ways that are obviously the ones that everyone likes to sing, but then the, the great gems uh, that really teach the faith and teach the uh, the incarnation and the and the uh, the atonement are are kind of you know not as not as popular. But you know I don't know maybe maybe I'm lightening up. One though you know it's interesting. Uh, you know that the the one that that uh, oh who's like jo- Josh Groban right? He he's uh, the the what's the one that he sings that everyone just wants always wants to sing? Oh holy night. Mm-hmm. Well you know. This is, and I might ruin this for you, but that song, that song <laughs> was written by a Unitarian. Oh Lord! <laughs> yeah, and uh, well, the clock. And then the tu- the tune, the tune was composed by a Jew, <laughs> who, 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 uh, who's, and, and the last time I I had I had read up on this had uh, purposefully written the most you know kind of engaging emotional sounding tune um in order to uh, so that that would be kind of the main the main thing that people focused on which well, is hard. I, I mean it's very it's very fun to sing I it mean, is I, and you know and as <laughs> as uh, the old joke goes you know, even a broken clock is right twice a day so that is true yeah <laughs> pastor gotta well, take, yeah, that, yeah, gotta oh, take go a break now but we have a lot more to talk about
Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. You hear our voices every day as we speak the gospel, share the latest news, or for insightful and sometimes entertaining talk. Why not share your voice with us and send us your feedback, suggestions, and questions? Leave your comment at 314-996-1542. Be sure to follow us on social media, too, so you can like, comment, and share your favorite posts. Drop an email to KFUO at KFUO.org or send a snail mail letter to Worldwide KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. I'm Pastor Ken Bomberger. Join me weekday mornings at 7.15 for Orazio, your time of scripture, meditation, and music on KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Thousands of years ago, a story began. I am. The story that will never end, because this is the story of God's love for us. He has risen. He is alive. Welcome to the Lamplighter Classic Audio Series. You are there. Now you can enjoy this Lamplighter Classic, You Are There, together as a family. Saturday mornings at 11 on Worldwide KFUO. When I think about the future, I get very excited about all the possibilities, but also just a little bit anxious about the unknown. Hi, I'm Callie Breeze with Thrivent, helping you thrive with purpose. You know, God tells us not to be anxious about life because He watches over us, and He makes sure we have what we need. Now that's definitely easier said than done, especially when it comes to money and finances. So how can you let go of your worry and make financial decisions that are driven by your faith and values? Well, one idea is to be clear about your financial situation. First, track what you spend every month. Then you can decide if there are spending habits you want to kick. Maybe it's those online shopping splurges or overspending on groceries. Once you get a handle on your spending, you'll have more to save and more to share with others. So embrace the future and get more financial clarity about your finances. Then you'll have more meaning and gratitude in your life. I'm Callie Breeze with Thrivent. Well, good afternoon and welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. Guest pastor today is Andrew Preuss of St. Uh, Kept my, kept my, <laughs> I got all of these confused here <laughs> from uh, St. Paul and from Trinity Lutheran Churches up in Iowa. I apologize, Pastor. I should know better than that. <laughs> okay. Well, we've been talking, originally we were talking about the 12 days, and I think we we drifted a little bit astray here, but I'm not, I, th- I think maybe it, it fits in, because we're talking about how we can express the joy of the coming of our Lord, uh, and we were talking earlier about uh, about how we do with with music, and uh, sometimes uh, some of it may not be theologically correct, and I wanted to discuss that with you. Uh, one of my favorite musical pieces is Pia Hayes, is um, Ave Maria, which of course is a Catholic song. 
<laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Despite its bad theology, it's a beautiful piece of music. And I keep thinking, you know, what Luther was saying, that besides the, the, the gospel, you know, music is the best gift God gave us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and Luther also says that theologians of glory use the best things in the worst ways. So, <laughs> oh, gee. Uh, so that, that uh, you know, that there's it demonstrates that, that uh, I mean, it's incredibly beautiful. The, 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 if you get someone who, who a, good, a good tenor mm-hmm. or a good soprano singing that song, um, that just blows you away. But I mean, it's obviously it's, it's a song to Mary. Um, is it was it Ave Maria Ora Pro Nobis, something like that? I mean, it, that's uh, no, we don't ask Mary to pray for us. Yeah, uh, that doesn't work. You know, that, um, and uh, we don't we don't hail her as the one who is who is full of grace. Now that word that term full of grace, though, we do use that. It depends on it depends on how, what we mean by that. But there's, you know, there's one one hymn that we're that we're teaching the children and and, and the congregation is of the Father's love begotten. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and the second stanza, uh, oh that birth forever blessed when the Virgin full of grace uh, by the Holy Ghost conceiving bore the Savior of our race. Um, and so we can't understand full of grace as simply being. She who has been shown grace by God, uh, as the angel Gabriel says to her. But unfortunately, the the Roman Catholic view of Mary being full of grace um, or graced is uh, that she somehow becomes a a sort of source of grace for us. So, uh, you know, I think it's a good lesson, though, to to show that music is is a a very powerful thing. Mm -hmm. And it can... It can also then distract and deceive. Uh, the devil can use it to deceive. Uh, this is something Saint Augustine makes this point in his uh, his Confessions when he talks about how he, you know, in his Confessions he's he's kind of recounting his life and he's recounting his sins. And uh, you know, there's the famous story of him, him stealing pears from a pear tree and just. You know, just just for for the for the fun of it, and uh, and, and one of the one of the sins that he confesses is that he uh, that he would he'd be singing the hymns of the church, and he'd be concentrating on the on the beauty of the music and not paying attention to the words. And that can happen with hymns that are solid in their theology, right? I mean, that can happen in in both ways, and and so that you know. If you're, if 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 uh, you know, like that hymn that I just sang to you a little bit ago, beautiful tune, just absolutely beautiful tune, and yet the words are what we should be uh, focusing on, and the the tune should be in service to the words, and that and and so the the music is a beautiful thing, and like you said, as as Luther said, next to the word of God, the uh, the the music is is God's greatest gift. Certainly true, but again, that means then that the devil could use it um, for the worst things, and and just as the devil uses the word of God for the worst things. Oh yeah, I remember the temptation in the in the wilderness. He says, "Well, it is written in Psalm ninety or ninety one, 
uh, I will send my angels concerning you. So go throw yourself off of this uh, off of this temple, right? So we got to be we we just have to be on our guard um, against the deceit of the devil, which can be very subtle. Indeed. What what about secular music in the Christmas? season where I, I what it does is, is it brings forth feelings of family and and closeness uh i'm thinking specifically of you know, like uh chestnuts roasting on an open fire something like that mm -hmm. which is completely secular yeah, silver but, bells. but yeah. it, it reminds me of family and this is also a secret gift of gods yeah no that's it's, it's funny that you asked that because i was just preaching on this um I'm, I'm preaching for my Advent midweek services. The theme this year uh, that I've chosen is the Word of God, and uh, the and the the three characteristics of the Word of God, which I find to be uh, the uh, probably the most important. Um, and the first, so the first week I, I talked about the divinity of the Word of God, that the Word of God is divine, um, and <clears throat> what all that entails then, and uh, which which then get we talk about the, the spoken word and then the personal word, um, which, of course, is, is the Son of God, who was in the beginning with God, through whom, through whom all things were made, and who became flesh. But then this past week, uh, just this past Wednesday, a couple days ago, I, I preached on uh, the Word of God being comforting, right? The Word of God comforts. And so you have, you know, the, the Word of God that will not be broken comforts God's people in Isaiah chapter 40. And Second uh, Corinthians one, that the God, uh, the God of God of mercies, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our afflictions. And so I was talking then about the difference between worldly comfort and uh, <clears throat> and the comfort of the Word. And worldly comfort is uh, <clears throat> the comforts that we have in this world are not necessarily bad things. They become bad when we trust in them. That, that's them, a form of idolatry, right? I think. Exactly. Yep, that's exactly right. But they're not—they're not in and of themselves bad. It's comforting to come to come inside, uh, in a, to a warm house, to the smell of pumpkin, right, or chestnuts or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, to you know, after you've been outside making a snowman, you know, come inside and eat some Campbell's chicken soup you know like those are comforting things <laughs> things that remind you of your mother you know oh um, and that is so true yeah they're they're good these are good things but what is it though that should like why does god want you to remember your mother what's the main reason why god wants you to remember your mother fourth commandment fourth commandment but also because your mother taught you the gospel oh she did right? so i mean you have this you have these great, wonderful memories. I just did a funeral today, uh, just a couple hours ago, um, and uh, was talking about something similar. But how, you know, this lady who just died, um, she was one of the most well-natured ladies you'd ever meet, always positive, right? And yet, the faith by which she was saved didn't come from her positive attitude even though that was a great gift from God. And those are things that her family is going to remember and, and cherish. And God cherishes those things, but not because somehow they've merited anything, uh, but because uh, God gave those to her, and he gave them to her uh, as part of his whole package of, 
of first preparing for her a place and saving her. And so the word of God must be preeminent. And, uh, and so it's, it's good for us to, to take joy in these traditions that we have. And many of us have different traditions. You know, like I said, you know, certain smells that we smell in this time, you know, you come home and you smell the, if you're in our house and you smell the, the, the pine and the, the yulakaka, um, and hopefully the kroonkaka. I we, we haven't done that in a while. Um, but you know, or the almonds, you know, the, the, the all, all those smells are they're they are they're comforting, you know. Oh, but yeah. that that comfort in and of itself cannot last. And uh and so that's not to say that they're bad things. We should just all just go move out into the desert. Um no, we we these these are all good things are gifts all good things come from above. The gifts from God, um, but uh, but they should serve to remind us of the Word of God, which alone is our lasting comfort. Oh yeah, I, I see that, and and you know you're right about the uh, about the uh, sense. I mean, sometimes I'll I'll have a vivid memory just from spelling something, or sometimes even visual. Uh, you know, I mentioned uh, my family, as your family, this is largely German. Despite the name Alan, <laughs> my mother. Well, was no, a... actually, my family is is mostly Norwegian. Ah, no. Although I did marry someone who was from German descent, so ah. I guess you're right. Yeah, anyway, yeah. go on. Yeah, well, my, you know, my mother was a Steger. My grand, my grandmother was Winnikin. On and on and on like that. Uh, but one of the things they would do. Uh, again, when I was a very small child, was they would bring together all these wonderful cookies that the Germans make. Uh, mm-hmm. Hussar shakos. I remember those things, little puffy things with a little cherry on top. And uh, I was in the store the other day, and I saw some uh, uh, the, the the windmill cookies. And oh my gosh, I remember those when they were handmade by my my great aunt, Tancha Marie, as we called her. Uh, yeah, I remember the Tancha Marie and Tancha Jane. Oh gee. <laughs> I am really going back in time here. But again, this was a Christmas thing, and it brought everything together. And of course, you know, this, as you pointed out, you know, my mother was the one who taught me the gospel. I literally learned it at her knee. And uh, mm-hmm. what a wonderful gift that was. Yeah, that's, that's right. And, uh, and, and that's why, you know, God allows us to have these memories. Um, and uh, he allows us to have these uh, so that we would, you know, he, he, in a way, he, he, he's really, he's testing our faith with his word. And he wants us to find our comfort only in the word. Because we know that these things, these things can't, in and of themselves, can't last. You know, this is why, this is why Isaiah says that the, and the psalmist says this too, that the grass, the grass withers and the flower fades, right? All flesh is grass. And, and yet they, they, they flourish like the flowers, right? They're, there is something that there is something beautiful about them that lasts for a while, and yet it it eventually withers away. And uh, and 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 all of those memories that we have, you know, that we might call it nostalgia, really means nothing without without God's word. And uh, you know, there's something that is. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I recently watched this movie um, called the The Preacher's Wife. Ah. Has Denzel Washington and um, uh, who's uh, Whitney Houston. Have you seen that movie? 
Uh, no, I haven't, but I remember uh, when it came out, and I've read some reviews of it, but I haven't haven't actually seen it. Yeah, well, it's 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 just a it's a very nice story. You know, it's about a guy. Denzel Washington plays an angel who comes down to help this preacher who's kind of having a hard time in this inner city parish and stuff. You know, it's 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 a nice feel good uh, story, um, but it's um, it's so void of Christ. It's completely void of any mention of the incarnation, of the atonement. Um, it's all just kind of a kind of a social gospel. Well, then I I, I I I later learned that this movie was actually based on an older movie called The Bishop's Wife, which I haven't seen yet. But I've seen one one scene from that movie, and this movie was from probably the 40s or the 50s, and. Uh, the, the bishop's wife is, a, you know, it's a similar thing. It's about a, a bishop's wife and, uh, and an angel comes down. And, and so, you know, you get those, you get those stories that are, that are very nice and feel good. Um, and yet the, the focus, the, 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 the things that give us the tear jerk are not Christ necessarily. You know, they're, they're just, the, they're, they're the, the ability of man to craft a, a moving and stirring story. And, and as far as the Bishop's wife, the, the scene that I did see was actually uh, much better. They, they, the, the, it was the children were all coming in and singing a song about the incarnation and stuff. And, and that was good. Um, and, uh, but, but, you know, that another, another movie that is so popular that uh, that I think demonstrates this well and the kind of feel goodiness of it all, which is a movie I really enjoy watching. Is uh, uh, it's a wonderful life. Oh yeah. And uh, but again, you see that, and it really the whole theme of it is that oh well, you are important, you know, and uh, and it you know it's it, again incredibly stirring. You know, I can't honestly that it it gives me a little bit of a lump in my throat at the end every time, right? I mean, it's just, it's very well done. Yeah. Um, but and, as you uh, pointed but, out, it's devoid of the, of the word of Christ. Yeah, that's right. And it's not entirely, I mean, yeah, there is the, they sing, I think they sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing at the end, which is good. But other than that, I mean, it's, mm. yeah, like you said, it, it, it is just kind of void of Christ and, and, and it's all about us and about angels and stuff like that. And so, you know, those things make us feel good, but are they really what Christmas is about? Well, the, the, uh, not the, entirely. The preacher's wife, that's, that's interesting. I've, I've been reading up a little bit about uh, Denzel Washington. He is a Christian, a devout Christian, and uh, he, he, reads yeah, the Bible. He, he reads the Bible daily. Uh, he actually considered becoming a minister at one point. And uh, he's he's raised I think over two and a half million to help build a church in Los Angeles. Uh, I'm, I'm just the fact that there was no mention at all of Christianity in that movie strikes me as a uh, a little strange. I wonder how uh, wonder how he felt yeah. about that making it. Well, and there, I mean, okay, so there there is allusion to it, obviously, right? It's 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 it's, it's it centers around the life of the church and you do have mention of God and, and you do, you might have some mention of Christ. Um, but, but, but is there a clear message of the gospel of the forgiveness of sin? No, not at all. And that is, it, it, it's, it's, 
it's amazing how common that is. And then, like you said, I mean, he's a, he, he seems like he's a devout Christian. Maybe he's grown since then. I don't know. Um, I've always been impressed with him just, just, you know, even for just from a civil standpoint, that he seems like he's a pretty stand-up guy, and he's an amazing actor. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, but, yeah, that, you know, th- there's so much in the culture that we, we watch this stuff, we watch these movies, and they're well done. Um, but do they, do they glorify Christ? And that's something that maybe they, we might kind of assume that they do, because, you know, maybe they kind of mentioned them a little bit. They seem to. There's, the, you know, the, one of, the, one of the, the, the movies that I'm also reminded of is uh, The Sound of Music, you know, which, you know, it seems to, you know, there's a, they have, she's a nun, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they have a, a church wedding and stuff. And, but again, the, the gospel is not at the center at all. You know, it really, in fact, it's the opposite. It's now you go and climb every mountain and you know, <laughs> follow your dreams and all that stuff. And it, you know, so the, the, the human religion, the human piety is, uh, it's very pious and it's very stirring. Um, but it's all about works righteousness. And we see that come out in these, in these movies, which again, I like these movies. I enjoy watching these movies. I will admit that, but you know, we gotta, we we have to be wise and recognize that, uh, you know, the, the, the gospel is, is, is if what's making us feel so good, isn't the gospel, well then what, you know, what is what? What are we really taking comfort in? You're right, and of course, and uh, and, and you know, I pointed out uh, you know, the things that fade, the things that go away. We're reminded of uh, how temporary everything is in our lives. The one constant, the one constant is the love of God, and we see Amen. that. Yeah, and we see that every day in the. Uh, we see that every day in in. Oh, just <laughs> well, you name it. There's nothing that I can look at where I don't see the love of God. And so- That's right. The heavens declare the, the righteousness of God, right? That, it's, it's, uh, that we should go outside and if we smell the, the crisp air, we should be reminded of the love of God that he created us and he redeemed us and he's holding everything together. One of, the, uh, one of my favorite guilty pleasures, or <laughs> maybe it's, really, it's not really a guilty pleasure. Uh, I have to get up early because of the job. And uh, when I get up, it's still dark out. Uh, but then when it starts, the dawn starts and the birds go. And I see the, the, how the sun starts playing on the very top of the, of the uh, trees. Mm-hmm. And the birth, literally the birth of a new day. And uh, wow, I just... <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. And, and, that, and, and you should take joy in that. But you, as a Christian, know where that joy comes from. You know who actually gave you that sunset and that sunrise and that and 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 both the 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 dawn and the dusk and the smells and the sounds and the and 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 the feelings that that are all that all go there. We we don't become slaves to these things. We rather we enjoy them, knowing who we serve, and that is the God who has created these things, preserves them, and has saved us from the darkness. And it, it, it's a humbling experience, 
Uh, of course, I usually get worn out toward the end of the day and go grump, grump, grump. Mm-hmm. But boy, that morning, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll get up. You know, my wife is usually still asleep, and but the dogs are waiting for me. <laughs> you know, I love dogs. You know, I, and I, I, I'm, to me, dogs are a gift from God, definitely, and they they teach mm-hmm. they teach lessons. They teach me every day. Again. Yeah, and uh, that is just that's one of the things I just so love. Uh, yeah. And, it, it, yeah. and I know it's all from God. And, yeah, absolutely. And it's so easy, I think, for a person to forget that. Yeah. Well, as Paul says, you know, they worship the creature rather than the creator. And, uh, but again, that doesn't mean that we just throw out the creature. That doesn't mean that we say, well, these things are all stupid and worthless. Well, no, God gives them, as you said. You know, dogs are their companions, and I understand. I mean, I'm not a dog guy, but I, I, I know many people who have dogs, and <laughs> and I understand that, uh, you know, that 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 they do provide a companionship. That is something that uh, that God gives, and yeah, it's sure it's not as it's not the same as the companionship that you would have with your wife or with your children um, or your fellow Christians, but yet it still reflects the fact that God has given you the animals, right? I mean, when he created man in his image, he said, have dominion over the animals. He gave them a relationship with them. Oh yeah. And, uh, and we do, we do have a relationship to creation and, uh, and, and the difference between us and the pagans is that we know where this came from. <laughs> and, and that's why we're so joy. That's, that's why we can take joy in it. Well, not because we find our salvation in it, but because we know that our savior is the one who gave it. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we talk about the unconditional love of God. Well, you know, the dog has that. And that's one of the mm-hmm. lessons the dog teaches teaches me, is that mm-hmm. there is indeed such a thing as unconditional love. And it comes from, from God above, and the dogs remind us of that. I I'm fervently believe that, that they are God's tool, at least in my life. Well, Pastor, we're yeah. coming up to the final minute. Any uh, Any last thoughts? Yeah, well, enjoy enjoy the gifts that God gives you, and you know, the nostalgia is kind of the religion of the world. But that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad thing. And and if 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 you're wise in Christ, and you know that He's the giver of all good things, that He's redeemed you by His blood, that He's joined Himself, His divine nature, to you by assuming your flesh and blood, then rejoice in that and have a have a happy Advent and a Merry Christmas. Absolutely. And of course, we're coming up on the Christmas season of the Christmas Day, the 12 days, with the ultimate gift, the birth of our Lord. We can't ask for anything more than that, and we should just humbly remember that. You know, I, I, I never say I'm proudly Lutheran. I say I'm humbly Lutheran. Amen. Okay, well, we'll try this again in the not real distant future, and hopefully 2021 will be better than 2020 has been. <laughs> Thank you so wow. much, Pastor Price. I appreciate you being on the program. Thanks again, Kip.
You've been listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting The Pastor Is In on Worldwide KFUO. In the